Turn with me again tonight to Judges chapter 10. Judges chapter 10. We'll look at a few verses in chapter 9. According to the Gospel of John chapter 20, verse 30 and 31, it reads, In many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. In another place, as you know, it said if all the things that our Lord did were written down, this world couldn't contain the books that they'd be written in. But in verse 31 of John 20, it says, But these are written, everything in this book is written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through His name. Everything written in this book, the Word of God, God's holy Word, were written for one reason, according to that verse. And that is that you and I might believe that Jesus is the Christ. He's the Son of God. He's the Messiah. The Son of God. And that believing we might have life, eternal life, everlasting life through His name. Now, but have you noticed the first three words in Judges chapter 10? It begins this way, and after Abimelech. We've looked at Abimelech the last couple of studies. And here we see that the exact thing that Jotham, Jehovah is perfect, remember? That's what his name means. Prophesied in the parable of the trees come to pass. Look back at chapter 9, verse 22. It says, when Abimelech had reigned three years over Israel, then God sent an evil spirit between Abimelech and the men of Shechem. And the men of Shechem dealt treacherously with Abimelech. That the cruelty done to the threescore and ten sons of Jerubbabel, Gideon, seventy sons, might come and their blood be laid upon Abimelech, their brother which slew them, and upon the men of Shechem, which aided him in the killing of his brethren. Now look down at verse 50 there in chapter 9. Then went Abimelech to Thebes and encamped against Thebes and took it. But there was a strong tower within the city. And thither fled all the men and women and all they of the city and shut it up to them and get them up to the top of the tower. And Abimelech came unto the tower and fought against it and went hard unto the door of the tower to burn it with fire. And a certain woman cast a piece of a millstone upon Abimelech's head and all to break his skull. Then he called hastily unto the young man his armor bearer and said unto him, Draw thy sword and slay me that men say not of me, a woman slew him, and his young man thrust him through, and he died. Now many say that Abimelech took the sword himself, and I don't, I don't doubt that. And you know, it was considered to be a great disgrace to be killed by a woman, so rather than be remembered that way, Abimelech either killed himself or had his armor bearer kill him. And verse 55 says, And when the men of Israel saw that Abimelech was dead, they departed every man unto his place. 
And thus God rendered the wickedness of Abimelech, which he did unto his father and slain his seventy brethren. And all the evil of the men of Shechem did God render upon their heads. And upon them came the curse of Jotham, the son of Jerubbabel. Now the curse of Jotham is found uh, there in verse 20 of chapter 9. Let fire come out from Abimelech. Remember that in the parable of the trees? And devour the men of Shechem and the house of Melo. And let fire come out from the men of Shechem and from the house of Melo and devour Abimelech. What a picture we have here of God's church. The name of the city Thebes means conspicuous, which means clearly seen. We clearly see how the Lord always delivers what He promises in His Word. Always. You sin, your sin will find you out. Whatsoever a man sows, he shall reap. God's Word teaches that. And the name Thebes comes also from an ancient root word that means fine linen bleached white. <laughs> the children of God, His church, His bride reside in Christ who has made unto them the very righteousness of God. In the Lord Jesus, deeper than the stain is gone. In the Lord Jesus Christ, the chosen sinner is whiter than snow. Revelation chapter 7 verse 14 tells us that in Christ the church which came out of a great tribulation has washed their robes, righteousness, and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. And the way that reads, that's something that the church, the child of God did. You see, our union is such in Christ that His perfect work of righteousness that's imputed to us makes His work ours. How close is our union with Christ? Oh, you can't separate it. It's one and the same. And these things were written that we might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing we might have life. When Abimelech attacked the people of Thebes, they took refuge in a strong tower. Christ is our refuge. He's our strong tower. David said in Psalm 61 verse 3, For thou hast been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the enemy. What a strong tower we have in our Lord and Savior. Solomon wrote in Proverbs 18.10, The name of the Lord is a strong tower and the righteous runneth into it and is saved. We run to Christ when we're in trouble. We, we run to Christ all the time. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower, Psalm 18, 2. David said in Psalm 144, verse 2, The Lord is my goodness and my fortress, my high tower and my deliverer, my shield, and he in whom I trust, who subdueth my people under me. He's everything. Christ is everything. Everything to the believer. And I'd have you to take notice that the demise of Abimelech was brought about by a certain woman. 
That certain woman pictures and represents the church. She represents the bride of Christ, the elect who's made one with Him. And she's always victorious. Always successful. Forever conquering, conquering with her heavenly husband, Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. What was her weapon? We read it. A millstone. A rock. A stone. Christ is that rock. Therefore thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation, a stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. He that believeth shall not make haste. Isaiah twenty-eight sixteen. He's a stumbling, a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also... They were appointed, 1 Peter 2.8. And whosoever shall offend one of these little ones, our Lord said, that believe in me, it's better for him that a millstone were hanged around his neck and he were cast into the sea, Mark 9.42. And listen to these words from the gospel according to Mark chapter 21, verse 42. Jesus saith unto them, Did you never read in the Scriptures the stone which the builders rejected? The same has become the head of the corner. And this is the Lord's doing. And it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore say I unto you, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation bringing forth the fruits thereof. Speaking of the Gentiles. And whosoever shall fall on this stone shall be broken. But on whomsoever it shall fall, it will grind him to powder. Yes, this stone, dear friends, pictures Christ. This stone is the gospel. This stone is Christ and him crucified. That rock always hits its mark every time. It landed exactly where God directed it. It landed on Abimelech and crushed his head, according to verse 53 in chapter 9. Now the question is, will sinners fall on Christ and be broken? Or will a solid rock fall on you and you be crushed? It's one of the two. We hear men today preach a message of love. There's no doubt about it that the, the love of God is in Christ, but God is a holy God. God is a God of justice. He'll by no means clear the guilty. You'll either come to Christ and bow to Him and confess Him with your tongue, believe on Him in your heart, or you'll be crushed and broken. In Genesis 3.15, speaking of Christ, God said, and I'll put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. The prophet Habakkuk, speaking of Christ, said, Thou wentest forth for the salvation of thy people, even for salvation with thine anointed. Thou woundest the head out of the house of the wicked by discovering the foundation unto the neck. And Paul said in Romans chapter 16, verse 20, And the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. What a picture this is of Satan's head being crushed, our enemy being crushed. 
and the bride being victorious in her bridegroom. Now, Judges chapter 10, again, verse 1, And after Abimelech there arose to defend Israel, Tolal. Now, I know these names are difficult. I, I'll be honest with you. I cheat. I get on the computer and there's a, a guy there that pronounces these words for him. I try to sound them out. So it's Tula, the best I can tell. And if you have a marginal Bible, the word defend here in verse 1 means to deliver. It means to save. And after Abimelech, there arose to defend, to save, to deliver a man, a judge by the name of Tola. It means, the word deliver means to open or to set free. And in these verses, we're told about two judges who arose to save and deliver Israel. And Paul wrote, all Israel shall be saved. There shall come out of Sion a deliverer. And it's a capital D there. We know who that deliverer is. It's Christ our Lord. And that's what all the judges did. They arose to save Israel. Uh, Othanel, Ehud, Shamgar, Deborah, and Barak, Gideon. And that's what Christ, our great judge and deliverer did. He arose to save all Israel, all true Israel, all his people. And you know what? Not a one will be lost. Not a single one. We need to put our trust in him. All who do, not one will be lost. Now the word arose and arise means to come forth. This pictures Christ's resurrection, which proved his successful finished work. His resurrection is the evidence of his putting away our sin by the sacrifice of himself. But it's the proof that God accepted his finished work. If God hadn't accepted Christ's finished work, he would have never rose from the dead. He'd still be paying our sin debt. But God's satisfied. The work's finished and God is satisfied. And Christ rose from the dead. It's the evidence that our sin is forgiven. Why are these things written? That you and I might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God and that believing we might have life through his name. Matthew one twenty one. Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall, not might, not maybe, but he shall save his people from their sin. Yet every believer is said to labor to enter into rest. Now that seems like a mock oxymoron or whatever. How do you labor to enter into rest? Or why do we? Because we're always looking for something more. <laughs> what must I do to be saved? Well, that can't be all. Just rest? Just believe and rest? That's it. That's it. And nothing more. Christ is all and in all. And that means what it says. He's all. He's all that God requires. And that's what I'm endeavoring to preach. We preach and deliver the things that we receive, Paul said. How that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. And that He was buried and that He arose again the third day according to the Scriptures. 
And again, verse 1, And after Abimelech there arose to defend Israel, Tolal, the son of Puah, the son of Dodo. What, I know these names or something. A man of Issachar, and he dwelt in Shamir in Mount Ephron. And he judged Israel twenty and three years and died and was buried in Shamir. And after him rose Jair, a Gileadite, and judged Israel twenty and two years. Now, we're not given any history here of these two judges who judged Israel for about 45 years. All the other judges, we, we have some, some history given. But again, we know that these things were written that we might believe on Christ and have life. And since no history is given, since there's no stories of their accomplishments as judges, we must look to their names to see the Lord Jesus. Tola means worm. <laughs> Not just any worm, but a scarlet crimson worm. We, di we discussed that before in a previous study. Tola's name speaks to the condescension that the Lord Jesus made. Christ condescended to be identified with worms like you and I. Let me put that in its proper text. Maggots like us. He made himself of no reputation. He did so in order to be a suffering substitute. God manifest in the flesh. He became a worm for us. Substitution. Brother Gene preached on that not long ago. A scarlet crimson worm. You might remember from that study. We did before, when ready to give birth, would climb up a tree, always a tree, and attach itself to the bark and cover herself with a shell. And she would then give birth to her uh, eggs, larvae, upon her, under her, to protect her. An amazing thing, really. And her larva or larvae would feed upon her, and she'd turn a crimson red, leaving a permanent red stain on the bark of that tree, and the larvae would then start its own life cycle, but she herself would die. These crimson worms were used to make red and crimson dye that they used in dyeing their clothes. But what a picture this is of Christ, dying on a tree, shedding his precious blood that he might bring many sons and daughters unto glory. I love what Isaiah wrote in Isaiah 1 verse 18, Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Now I want you to hold your place here in uh, Judges if you would, and turn with me to Isaiah chapter 63. Just want you to see this in your own Bible. Judges chapter 63, verse 1. Give you a moment to get there. Isaiah 63, verse 1. 
It reads, who is this that cometh from Edom? Now that word Edom or that name Edom means red. Who is this that cometh from Edom with dyed garments from Basrah? This that is glorious in his apparel, traveling in the greatness of his strength. It's I, speaking of Christ, that speak in righteousness mighty to save. Verse two, wherefore art thou red in thine apparel and thy garments like him that treadeth in the wine fat? You see, friends, it was through the Lord's bloody sufferings. It was through the scourges that he received. It was by the crown of thorns that he wore. It was by the piercing of his hands and his feet and his side with the nails and the spear. But here it's, it appears that his garments are not red with his own blood, but the blood of his enemies. Look at verse 3. The Lord says, I've trodden the winepress alone, and of the people there was none with me. For I will tread them in mine anger, and trample them in my fury, and their blood shall be sprinkled upon my garments, and I will stain all my raiment. You see, a sinner will either be covered and forgiven by the blood of Christ or Christ, his judge, will tread them in anger and trample them in fury. And it'll be their blood that is shed. And the shedding of their blood will only condemn them forever. If I am sent to hell not trusting in Christ, my suffering hell will never pay for one sin that I've committed. Not one. And that's what Tola means, the scarlet blood of Christ's covering. What a delightful thought. Some say, oh, you, you sure, the Old Testament's a bloody book. Listen, a child of God learns to love the blood, the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I was thinking that when we name our children, we give some thought, you know, to what their names mean. Uh, but nothing like Israel did. The names of Scripture mean a great deal. <laughs> in Tola, in Tola, we see that Christ, what Christ became in order to save sinners, worms and maggots like we are. And I think about what Paul wrote in Romans 8, for what the law could not do and that it was weak through the flesh and that being our flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. When our Lord came into the world, he attached himself to a tree and he shed his precious crimson blood to give birth to his church by the sacrificial death of himself. And what a picture that crimson worm gives us of that. Now, back in Judges chapter 10, verse 1 again, we're given the genealogy of Tola. And again, these things are written that we might see and learn of Christ. I hope that we can always keep that in mind when we study the Scripture, especially the Old Testament. These things were written for our learning. And they were written that we might see Christ Believe on Him, trust in Him, and have life in Him. We're not just studying the Old Testament because we, so we can say we, we've studied the Old Testament. We study it because of this reason, that it shows us Christ and shows us life in Him.
Now, the genealogy of Tola. He's the son of uh, Pua, whose name means splendid. The word splendid gives reference to distinguishing and shining. God has commanded the light of His glorious gospel to shine forth, shine forth in our hearts to reveal the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. This glorious lineage goes yet further. Two laws, grandfather is named Dodo. Now, I think if my parents named me Dodo, I might be a little upset, but his name means beloved. And my name is David. So I guess in one sense, of the, it, which means beloved, so I guess in one sense, I'm Dodo David. But this too speaks of Christ, God's beloved Son, in whom He is well pleased. Not just pleased, but well pleased. Satisfied. And Tola and Puah and Dodo show us something of Christ. The believer, God's elect, are saved because of the beloved Savior, the splendid worm, the shining and distinguishing Lord of glory. God's children are distinguished because God has shined in their hearts. That's the only difference. That's the only difference between us and the lost. The only difference between the sane and the uh, infidel is that God has shined in our hearts the glorious light of the Gospel. And He's made us accepted in the Beloved. What a distinguished people we are in Christ the Beloved. Now, in verse 3, we're told that after Him arose Jair, a Gideonite, and he judged Israel for twenty and two years. And interesting enough, his name means he enlightens. <laughs> Christ alone is the light of the world. It's he who reveals the Father. It's he who enlightens blind sinners. It's he that shows us our sin. It's he that shows us our need of Christ. Verse 4 says that he had 30 sons. Jesus Christ is the everlasting Father. A Savior, as Savior, He has brought many sons to glory. John 1.12 says, As many as received Him, gave He the power. And that word power means privilege. And what a privilege it is. He gave the power, the privilege, to become what? The sons of God. Jairus Sons represent the elect of God, the priesthood, the church. You say, well, how so? Well, we're told here that they rode upon 30 ass coats. Now, in Old Testament times, for the most part, people walked. And riding an ass coat was a mark of nobility and honor, prestige, like princes. These sons had 30 cities. You see that? Each one had a city of their own. These cities were called Habath Jair, meaning the cities of Jire. So we see immediately that their honor and their uh, nobility was, was derived by virtue of their father. <clears throat> Undoubtedly, he had given them these cities. Their connection with their father was the singular source of their honor. Does that not sound familiar? You and I who are nobodies, we can do nothing, we have nothing, we are nothing. 
but we're made somebody by virtue of our union with Christ. Speaking of the elect of God, like that infant, those infants that was thrown out into that bloody field, um, polluted in their own blood. We're, they're described in Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 14 as renowned. <laughs> People of distinction and notability. Those who went forth among the heathen for their beauty. <laughs> Bloody infant. Uh, umbilical cord not been cut. Not until the Lord made them His and spread His skirt of righteousness over and made them beautiful. We're made beautiful in the Lord Jesus Christ. They were made perfect through the comeliness which Christ had put on them, we're told. And it's unto them that Paul said, you've been made partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. These sons had what they had because of their father. And friends, we have what we have because of our father. And I'm not talking about material things. I'm talking about a perfect and holy righteousness in which we can stand before God and not be ashamed. My, my. These, this picture is the elect of God who's, whom God has made unto them kings and priests and they shall reign on the earth only by virtue and connection with our Heavenly Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't have any honor or notability apart from our connection with Christ. One last thing mentioned of these two judges, it's said of them, as we said in the beginning, that they arose. In verse 1, Tula arose to save. In verse 3, Jair arose to judge or deliver. And that also means to save. Christ arose from the grave to prove our acceptance in, by, and through Him. Verse 5 says that Jair was buried in uh, uh, Cayman. And that word Cayman means raised or risen. The Scriptures are, are amazing. There's just so many layers to Scripture. You know, we could move on to other things, come back to this same chapter further down the road and maybe see more. It's just so layered. The Word of God cannot be exhausted. It's It's... It's eternal. It's spiritual. Now, though there's no history given of these two judges, these men are a picture of the shining, beloved Christ who was made a worm for His church. The Lord, by His death, saved His elect. He bore the burden of their sin, and He died, and He rose again from the grave. He enlightened everyone that He died for. He made them kings and priests, making them honorable in Himself. There's no doubt that history is His story. No doubt about it. Everything that has transpired throughout all time has been at the hand of a sovereign God and it's all to picture Christ and what He's done for His people. God made Him who knew no sin Sin for us that we might be made what? The righteousness of God in Him. 
All our problems, all of them in this world are a result of our sin and a result of our shame. Now here's the question. Like our first parents, are we going to look for someone else to blame? Adam said, the woman you gave me, she gave me to eat. Eve said, the serpent you put here deceived me. This fallen world blames God for their problems. Can you do something yourself to fix your sin? To remove your shame? No, sure can't. There's many who think they can. All we can do, friends, is to throw ourselves at the feet of Christ, confess our sins, and plead for mercy and grace from the one who loved us and gave himself for us. And he is faithful and just to forgive us of all our sin when we do. Faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to what? Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How? By his blood, by his shed blood. Paul wrote in Romans 8 and 1, I love the verse, I know you do too. There is therefore now no condemnation. None. Not a little bit. None. No condemnation to the whole world, no. To them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. I was thinking about that today. What is it to walk in the flesh? Well, it's, it's to blame someone else for our sin. And ultimately, that's God. It's, it is to work our own way out of our sin. Uh, that's what this world, uh, religious world teaches. Turn right and go straight. That's the way to heaven. But I can't turn right. I can't go straight. That's what it is to walk after the flesh. Well, then what is it to walk after the Spirit? It's to look to Christ, your crimson worm, the one who took your place on the tree and shed his scarlet blood and died so that you might live. Oh, may God enable us to look to Christ in faith to look to Him and believing. It's He who's made us free from the curse of the law. How? By being made a curse for us. Not by doing something ourselves to be saved. He was made a curse, for cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. You know, there's no liberty, there's no freedom in works of righteousness that we've done. Why is that? Because we can't do a work of righteousness. All our work is what? Filthy rags. We can't do a single righteous thing. And to do so, Paul said, Christ shall profit you nothing. For you're a debtor to do the whole law. And we can't do the whole law. And we can't do any of the law perfectly. And it's got to be perfect to be accepted. So again, we're shut up to Christ. There's nowhere else to go. Will you leave me also? The Lord told His disciples. They said, where else will we go? And where else would we go? There is no place else to go. You're a debtor to do the whole law. And if you don't, Christ is... 
become of no effect unto you. Whosoever of you are justified by the law, by doing, you have fallen from grace. Christ is our tula, tola. He's our substitute. He's our deliverer. He's our savior. He's our sacrifice. When I stand before God, I'm not going to offer him my heart. God don't want this thing. I'm going to offer up his son. Lord, I plead the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that he died in my room instead. He shed his blood and washed me, the sinner that I am, whiter than snow. My sins were scarlet. They were like crimson. But now, whiter than snow. We're worms by birth. Christ became one that he might redeem us. Isn't that amazing? That God would leave his throne on high and come for sinful man to die? Many counted strange. Once did I, before I knew my Savior. It's without controversy. People say, oh, well, that's a controversial message. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's, it's controversial to those that don't believe it. It's controversial to those that hate it. But it's not controversial to the child of God. Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. Justified in the Spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up under glory. Friends, these things were written that you and I might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life eternal life, everlasting life, a life that never ends through His name. Well, may God be pleased to make it so for His glory, our eternal good, and for Christ's name's sake. Amen.